are back. This is episode four of the pod and a continuation of the PPW Pride Pro Wrestling Initiative out there in Cookville, Tennessee that we talked about on the last episode. So uh, I think where we left off, we had, you know, we're just going to jump right into things if you hadn't guessed. Um, We're going to jump right back into Mike Promo, Toby Farley, um, and a lot of the dudes that worked at that Fusion Tradition wrestling company actually um, came on over to the the PPW, as as one would imagine. And so we were really excited. Um, We, you know, had our first uh, gear made. I think I talked about that last time. Uh, by Easy Money, pretty cool, um, black with like a silver outline around the um, like the waist on Mike, and then for me, my whole singlet was outlined with silver slash gray. We had some blue designs that we drew up, and uh, it was pretty neat. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I had taken training to a new level. I think when I first moved to to Tennessee to go to wrestling school and to be a professional wrestler, I, I, I really, um, I was out of shape. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, after high school, just kind of like eating <laughs> and, uh, I exercised, but not to the extent that I would have needed to exercise, um, to be in any sort of shape that was, uh, acceptable, I guess. So, you know, my, my friend Mike has always been very into, into training. He is a, he, he was a very skinny kid growing up. So he took, um, weightlifting very seriously. And, and so he really got me into it and we became obsessed with, uh, fitness YouTubers and trying their stuff and following different programs and what have you. So we, uh, we were in that gym, I mean, at least every other day. Uh, we'd usually go to our shoot jobs, as one would call it, and then um, afterwards hit the gym or, you know, wait a few hours and hit the gym. And it was uh, it was something that I took seriously for the first time. I was tanning. So that combined with just, you know, wrestling every weekend uh, really got me into the best shape of my life at that point. Um, You know, I grew up a very chubby young man, and I had lost a ton of weight. Puberty was very kind to me. And not only did I lose weight, I also got pretty tall and uh, got very, very skinny uh, in high school and uh, never worked out. And then after high school, that's when I put on the weight again. And again, I, I worked out lightly, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so this was the first time in my life I actually had a, a regimen and a routine, and I was making progress. My body really started to come together. Obviously not exactly you know, where I would want it to be, and I'm not sure there's many people who have that physique, but that's kind of you know, what I was looking for, and I was happy with it. You know, I could work a 30-minute match and be okay, so I, I guess that's that's a good thing. Um, so, you know, I, I think when when you talk about that, that tournament, 
it was something where it was going to be on local TV, and there was a lot of guys that were putting a lot of effort into it. There was a building rented, and, uh, you know, I think we were very well received when we, when we got there, the, um, the whole locker room really, you know, took to us, the guys that we didn't know, the guys that we did know obviously were super cool. And the guy who was running a lot of the stuff, Toby Farley, um, with Mike, man, he was just, uh, he was like, Hey, you know, I'd heard a lot about you guys. And, um, Toby was, was a pretty, pretty big, guy uh, in the area. Um, he was like an MMA fighter and he's been, you know, wrestling on the Southern Indies for a minute. He still does to this day. And uh, so it was cool to have him kind of like know about us and some, you know, had good word put in for us. And so we get booked on this pride initiative uh, uh, tournament and uh, we work singles matches. But this was the first time we really, really pulled together the Hollister's gimmick and we had the music on tap. We had our gear made. Um, we purchased scarves. So we came out to the ring with scarves. We had Zach 100% as our manager. Um, <laughs> we came up with the name Jonathan Quincy DeMarco uh, as he was a like a modeling agent. And there's no better name than that, in my opinion. So he, uh, he came out with us. Uh, we would just call him JQD. With his nice suit on, his hair slicked back, and uh, it was a hit, man. It was just something different than a lot of guys were doing. Um, I wrestled Draven Lee, and uh, Mike wrestled uh, Caleb Courageous, and, you know, pretty decent matches. We both lost, as one would imagine, because we were kind of moving into a tag team sort of thing. We came out later in the show and beat down Draven Lee and James Cole and kind of extended our, um, our feud. Uh, from the previous promotion that was now defunct, and uh, it was just exciting. I think this around this was 2012, so um, it man, it's a long time ago now. But it it it, it just it felt like things were finally coming together. On top of that, man, we were just having a good time. It was nice being out with uh, my friend, and you know, I I talked about this in a maybe the first episode of the pod and uh i think i'll probably get into it again here i definitely have a tendency towards depression and i think that's you know a lot of people do but around this time i really don't think i had a lot of it and i think you know that's what makes me feel like it's not necessarily a a actual like clinical thing because when things are going my way or the way that I want them to like around this time period I don't really recall ever really being in a bad spot I had a pretty basic job that allowed me to um, you know wrestle and train and I was with my friends and we would you know go have a good time and um, hang out and party and it was just it was just all around a good time and I think that translated into wrestling. I, I feel like in that first year, I really made huge strides in my work. And obviously being very green, as they call it in the biz, it, it's a lot of you kind of just doing moves and not really knowing where to place them or why you placed them there. And in this year, I started really getting a, 
a better idea of ring psychology. And I still would, you know, pack a lot of moves in there because at the end of the day, in my opinion, and I still feel this way, pro wrestling is certainly entertainment and some level of psychology is obviously important. But at the end of the day too, a lot of people like to just see cool stuff, cool shit. And, and that's kind of what it's about. So, you know, was a, t- a tendency to lack some psychology, but that's kind of with anything. And uh, the point is, I, around this time, I really started getting an idea of how to do things like that and how to place moves and and, and really um, outline a match that made sense and that was uh, pleasing to the crowd. And uh, if you go back and watch stuff from when I first started, it was so bad. There was just just my movements were so awkward because it was just something I had never done before. Um, my timing was so off and the footwork, you just, you miss, you know, you're, you misstep when you're running the ropes or you, you suplex someone off the right side, which if you're listening to this and you don't already know this, um, you know, in American professional wrestling, everything is off of the left side. So when you work someone's body part, it's their left arm or left leg. Um, if you, when you get somebody in a wrist lock or an arm ringer, as we used to call it in the backyard, um, it's the left side. When you suplex someone, it's off of your left arm and so on and so forth. <clears throat> it's just kind of the, the law of the land there. So, um, you know, Putting all those little things together and also watching a lot of stuff, you kind of become a historian and uh, watched a lot of um, current product around that time. But more so, I'd go back and watch like um, Mr. Perfect, uh, Kurt Hennig specifically, because I felt like his footwork and just the way he put stuff together was amazing. And um, so I would watch stuff like that, and I'd even go back and watch some, you know, some some real old, like, Luthez type of stuff. And then also just being a big indie fan, PWG was where it was at for me. And so, you know, my friends and I would stay up late and watch PWG pretty much every day. We'd order the DVDs, and we used to have a place by us that actually had, like, used wrestling DVDs and a lot of times people would put old ROH or PWG shows there so we'd purchase them there as well and um man that's like all we did at work we were drawing up gear talking about matches when we were at the gym um we'd go really late and there used to be a spot that had some like padding and we would literally work beginning of matches and and kind of plan that stuff out and it was really what we were all about, man. And uh, we felt really good that we were at this this company, this startup company. And you know, when you talk about getting paid, it's it, it wasn't a lot, but you know, we were getting paid, and you know, we got free shit. You know, got free shirts from the company and stuff like that too. So that was cool. And at the end of the day, we just felt um, we felt wanted, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, we had you know been wrestling fans our entire lives, and even though we weren't perfect, we really put a lot of work and effort into our characters now and our just our in-ring stuff. And, you know, we were driving three or four hours, getting home at three in the morning and then getting up and working a different show. And, you know, it just was nice that that it was <clears throat> within less than a year and we were really kind of coming into our own, um, at least, you know, in, in my mind. So... When we're when we're at PPW, 
um, we, we there was a everything was going great, and then after the first show, um, we get a kind of weird a weird thing happens. So, um, Mike and Toby have some sort of disagreement. I, I'm not 100% sure what it was. There was a lot of rumors. Um, that first show was pretty wild and there was weird stuff that happened. We were in this building that had, um, like kind of like high rafters, like the ceiling wasn't finished. And so there were like support beams and Mike, Mike promo actually had a son that wrestled and he climbed up into that somehow and literally jumped out of the ceiling and did a double stomp out of the ceiling, which was one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever seen. And uh, I I feel like he maybe didn't like that. I don't know. I don't really know exactly what the reason behind it was, but there was some sort of disagreement. I'm sure it had to do with money. And, you know, we get a message from Nick, and he's like, hey, I need you to uh, reach out to Mike. And so we did and we had kind of heard rumblings that him and Toby had some sort of disagreement and obviously we liked both of them and and Toby was a cool guy and and you know a new friend but he was very complimentary and very, just like an all-around great dude Mike was a little intense sometimes um there's a video of him on YouTube um and just, just kind of getting sidetracked here, but there's a video of him on YouTube uh, where he allowed someone into his building where he ran his shows to film some sort of documentary, and the crew pissed him off, and he loses his mind and threatens to kill everyone, and then basically <laughs> calls them Pokemon playing motherfuckers, and uh, it was something that was like big, and they tried to make it viral, but... He, he had a tendency to kind of go a little overboard sometimes. But overall, like, he was a cool guy. He's the one who really was assisting us with our gimmicks and really, like, was helping us get booked places. So we obviously really enjoyed both of them, man. Um, and so, anyway, so, so Mike, we get a hold of him, and he lets us know that there was a an issue between him and Toby, and he basically says, hey... I don't want you to work for him anymore. Um, Toby and I are no longer partners. Uh, I feel like you guys are my guys, and I don't want you to wrestle for him. Um, down the line, I'm going to try to do something with my own company. It just will take time. So this, you know, being 20-year-old kids really... Man, it was tough because this was the first wrestling drama, other than just like little things at, at the stadium in where dudes would just be on drugs and try to fight people or just like yell at us in the back because they thought we fucked up their match or whatever. Uh, but just little stuff. And and so this was the first big piece of wrestling drama we were involved in. And it was weird. Like, I, that was my least favorite thing about wrestling, man. Like, it was so much fun to be out there wrestling with your friends and hanging out, but all these this politicking especially on the indies when it's like it literally doesn't fucking matter it's no one gives a shit about this like we just need to all be cool right and and so it, you know we're not talking millions of dollars here it's not the WWE this is a small indie promotion that drew you know 30 to 50 fans once a month and it's like come on but you know, I think Mike felt very strongly that he really gave us our gimmick and was like helping us out and he wanted us to be loyal to him and it was tough, man. So 
we talked about it and at the end of the day like we we're trying to be professional wrestlers we can't just say you know we're just gonna stop working at this company that's consistently booking us and paying us even if it was a little like we always got paid and uh sacrifice that booking for nothing just because he you know someone has a disagreement and doesn't want us to work there it was a really tough thing um but we basically told him that and we said hey man like this is nothing personal like we really really love you and and you know we or at least like you you know we're we're we we respect you and uh you know at the end of the day we really love toby too man and and we don't want to be involved in this drama um, if you're starting your own company, I would love to work for both. It doesn't have to be political. And basically, he told us to go fuck ourselves. And um, we honestly never talked to him again, like, in life. Never talked to him again. Um, he took that very uh, personally. And, you know, I whatever, man. That's that's his thing. He he wanted to be that way. And um, that's the way he was. And, and I think Toby was very, honestly more mature about it because Toby, we talked to him about it and, you know, he, he apologized for us having to be in the middle of that and, and really was, uh, grateful that we wanted to stay working for him and also, you know, said, Hey, like if he did, like, I wouldn't care. Like you guys can work wherever you want. And so that was really, that really solidified our decision because that to me is a normal human being. And the other thing is really like wrestling politicky weird shit and didn't want to be involved in it anyway. So, um, I think I, I get where Mike's coming from. He, he really, he really kind of helped. I, I, I don't want to say put us on the map because we were not a big deal, but like at least in that little world and our immediate, circle we were kind of becoming a big deal and i feel like he wanted to take credit for it and he honestly helped us out a lot man but you know i'm just we just weren't into that and we just wanted to wrestle and have a good time so that's what we ended up doing so and i uh think that pretty much everyone stayed with ppw and i think that probably hurt mike's feelings too because there's a lot of guys like caleb and um, other folks who had wrestled with him for a long time at his FTW promotion uh, had decided to stay with Toby because we felt like we were doing a good thing and it was a consistent booking and I think he was just upset about it. I know Mike's son, who I talked about earlier, was not a fan and there was a big falling out. Um, and you know, it was really like like. <laughs> like weird old school wrestling and I think a lot of it was not real and I think like it was kind of a test and I, I don't know if Mike and Toby ever really had a beef maybe they did but uh, Mike's son Logan is the one who you know basically was like calling Toby out and like wanted to fight him and stuff and I think that was not real honestly I think that was literally just trying to like work the locker room boys you know, like Brian Pillman style, but either way, it was weird. It was a weird time, man. But around this time, uh, they released a poster after all that drama for the next show, and we're working James Cole and Draven Lee, our forever feud, and uh, they misspell our names. Instead of Hollis Stir, I think, you know, they still were trying to accomplish spelling Hollister, but they replaced the E with an A. So it said Hollister. And originally I was like, God damn it. Can't even spell our fucking names right. 
But the more I thought about it, you know, the one thing that was really bothering us is that Hollister just, there was a few guys with that last name already. So maybe Hollister, it's pretty much in the same vein. We don't have to change anything really about with, you know, with our gear or with our, you know, posters or, you know, our social media or anything. We really just have to change the E to an A and it's still similar to the same name, but with a little twist on it. And it sounded a little more like ridiculous. So we decided to stick with that. And that's how the Hollistars were born, the Hollistar brothers. Um, and I think that was another big turning point because I felt like we, there was really nothing that was not unique about us. Um, I was Prada Hollistar. He was Revic Hollistar who came up with a whole backstory and created a social media account, got some promo pics done, talked about how we were male models from a rich family in California, grew up spoiled, had the best trainers ever that taught us martial arts um, because our style had a lot of like kicks in there as we were big RVD marks as children. And, uh, you know, we had not only a martial arts instructor, but we had a pro wrestling instructor that taught us really how to, how to grapple and how to fight. And, uh, our mom got us this, this, uh, this manager, this agent, Jonathan Quincy DeMarco to assist us with our modeling career. And he was really our handler. And, uh, we just decided that we needed to, we never really worked this part out, but I think the idea was we needed to come um, cleanse the southern states um, because of all the ugly folks there um, and uh, just show them what attractive young males are like and really just prove that we're better than, than everyone. And uh, this this was really like a Tyler Breeze sort of thing way before Tyler Breeze was, was around and... Uh, I mean, it was different than Tyler Breeze, but it was in that same vein. Um, the old NXT, like, Prince Pretty style Tyler Breeze is kind of similar to what we were doing with the scarves and stuff. Um, we were a little bit more like uh, Joey Ryan, like, sliding out on our knees, uh, being kind of a little, like, sexual also. It was uh, just trying to kind of paint a picture for those. It's certainly on YouTube, so you can you can look at that as well. Um, but uh, you know, we came up with that whole thing, and it it started to get pretty popular, honestly. And there were you know companies that wanted to book us. We still wrestled at USWO, um, except what was really tough is that they wanted to keep us um, as as baby faces, as good guys, because of how we looked and so we were still just Prada and Revic there but we were um not the Hollistars so it was kind of a weird dynamic but um you know we wore similar stuff and we would just kind of came up with uh the next wave which they mispronounced every single show and called us the new wave which we should have had flock of seagulls hair if we were going to be called that uh not the new wave we were the next wave uh which was an x-men reference um and uh our our finishing maneuver was the weapon next which another x-men um reference and uh that was kind of what we did with USWO. So we were bouncing between there and then PPW. 
and uh, it was cool, man. We we were working. We had so much creative freedom. We would work um, just these really long drawn out matches that weren't bad like there was a few flops but we were just getting used to working with the same guys um we were experimenting with stuff um they would let us get to the show way earlier and and kind of like hang out in the ring and you know work on some moves and we'd work on chain wrestling and springboards and um backflips and moonsaults and all that shit so um, it was just a fun time, man. It was so worth the like three hour drive to get there and just to hang out and have a good time and, and work matches. And, um, that's, that's kind of our initial experience with PPW. Um, there's certainly some more stories that can go along with that. Um, there's a story of a broken nose. There's, um, Southern people trying to kill us and <laughs> or threatening to kill us. Um, there was the USWO dissolving. Um, there's a new company that was interested in us. There's the end of our wrestling careers. There's, I mean, there's there's a whole lot to tell. And that's, again, obviously the point of this podcast is we're going to tell a lot of those stories. And we'll totally jump around the timeline a little bit. Um, but that's, that's kind of where we are right now with PPW. And now I kind of want to transition into the current current state of the union for professional wrestling. I did finally watch that John Oliver um, special, and uh, you know, I it's all true. <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't disagree with anything. I think that you know, it's one of the. It's weird. So like. Yes, it is crazy from an outsider's perspective to think of the fact that you're literally getting slammed in the head with steel chairs, getting put through, you know, particle board tables, but getting slammed on wood, getting willingly punched and kicked in the head and dropped on your neck, um, and there's no health insurance provided for you, um, but it's just like... I, I, Speaking from experience, um, being in that world, like, it's just, I, I don't know what it's like to be in WWE and have a family. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like you, you know that going in and there's ways to get health insurance. Um, and, uh, yes, it's still, it's still crazy that they're considered independent contractors and they, there's a lot of good points, but at the end of the day, man, like, it is what it is. It's a lot of folks' dreams to get to WWE. They know what they're signing up for, and they're okay with it. And, um, you know, obviously it would be better if, if it wasn't that way, but it is what it is. And it's cool that there's there's some spotlight on it. And I really liked how complimentary John Oliver was of the product and of the performance. Um, but how much he obviously wanted to paint Vince McMahon as an evil person, which... Hey, he might be. I don't know. I've never met the guy. I don't know the guy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's a multimillionaire and uh, billionaire even. Uh, and he runs a very successful business um, that has some interesting policies and some interesting marks in the, uh, in the contracts. But I think that was cool to watch. I like that there's some eyes on it. And maybe things will change now. Um also this week, I finally caught up on the, the you know the WrestleMania like week after, um, totally and completely. So, uh, I, you know, 
as far as Raw after Mania and SmackDown after Mania goes, it was pretty pretty tame. I talked about on the last one, uh, shakeup is being teased, but you know, I mean, it was fine. It was enjoyable. I think it was cool to see like Hardy Boys get the tag belts. It's funny. Uh, Matt Hardy posted a picture about every April, and I think that should be a running thing for a while until he retires. That's pretty cool. Um, I think 205 Live was was interesting. Tony Nese as Cruiserweight Champion does absolutely nothing for me. Um, I'm, I'm hoping Buddy Murphy, I know he's, he's going to be working NXT here pretty quick, um, but hopefully um, he's called up to the main roster because I think there's certainly a spot for him there. Um, I think he would be great. Um, would love to see him working Raw or SmackDown for sure. Um, NXT was fine too. A lot of recaps. Obviously, this was shot before TakeOver. Uh, I, I missed a lot of the beginning. I should go back and watch. But we had Marcel Barthel, um, or Bartel, I'm, I'm not sure, um, and uh, Fabian Eichner versus the Street Profits. And uh, super dope match. Um, have a, a lot of fun with both of those teams. And. Um, that that was you know that was fun to watch. Straight profits get the get the win there, and uh, I know uh, next week will be cool. I think we'll see what happens with Undisputed Era, and I feel like we're gonna tease some sort of breakup there, and yeah, we'll see. So uh, as far as that week goes, it, it was it was all good. A lot of recapping, and as as to be expected at this point. Um, I did watch the G1 um, ROH Supercard too. Super, super solid. Saw Flip Gordon get the shit beat out of him. Saw Enzo and Cass for some fucking reason coming out and just man, I don't know. ROH is getting crazy for me, man. I I love all the talent on the on the roster, but I mean, I just like don't. It's it's too much to follow, and it feels like it's kind of getting getting left behind which is is sad because that company has a lot of potential and I actually started um following impact and watching some impact stuff it's been years but you know i would catch highlights um and i caught highlights this week of um ethan page and josh alexander who i used to watch in uh pwg and i believe they were called like the monster factory or something and i watched them uh they're now called the North because they're from Canada and that's cool. And they work two dudes who I'd never heard of on impact and they looked fantastic, both in great shape, had a really cool move set, absolutely destroyed the team. And so that's super fucking cool. And I hope they started getting booked elsewhere. That's a, that was a, that was a cool tag team. I just kind of wanted to get that plug in there. Cause that was a cool thing to watch. Um, and obviously as far as tag team goes, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, man. Gonna plug them for life. Uh, Major WW or WWF. Major WF pod. Um, super, super cool. Raw Tag Team Champion, super, super cool. So um, a lot of fun stuff happening in, in wrestling. Um, guys, I, I, I think that, that'll do it for me this week. This is a bonus episode. I, I just wanted to kind of continue on that story and not, you know, have it go on forever. Um Next week, we'll, we'll pull something else out of the old bag and time. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, for Spandex Planet, 
Mm. This has been 